Welcome to the Screamcast, episode 115. I am Sean DeRager, and with me, as always, is Brad Henderson. What's up, man? Goddamn. You and your yawns, man. Hey. See every single episode now. It's like Pavlov's dog. As soon as I hear the introduction, I just start falling asleep. I just hear that as an utter dismissal of my existence as a human being. Okay. (laughs) Also with us uh, is BJ Colangelo. Welcome back. I am so glad to be back. I have to think that Brad yawning is sort of like Carol Burnett pulling on her earlobe. Like, that's just become his trademark at this point. (laughs) I think so. and it means I love you, Sean. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I buy, buy, I'll if buy that for a dollar. If yawns mean I love you, then, dude, I love everybody when I'm at work because <laughs> I am just yawn city, bitch. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love my boss. Stupid I love my computer. Co-worker. I love my shitty cubicle coworkers. Just, they're not shitty. They're wonderful. Actually, I'm very lucky, <laughs> but I yawn like a motherfucker. Anyway. Every office has the people you can't stand or don't get along with, uh, and the boss that uh, gets on your case. But uh, I can't complain. About, I can't complain about my job. Just in case any of you are listening, <laughs> I love all you guys. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, today uh, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, we're going to run down our do our what's on our doorstep, and then um, we are going to be talking about. Uh, horror movie soundtracks well maybe not all horror but uh a soundtrack episode a lot Um, of soundtracks so we'll dive into that in in just a little bit but uh but first but first uh we need to figure out what's on our doorstep what's on your doorstep holy cow i almost forgot we'll get the door Alrighty, um, BJ. Yeah, we'll let you go first. All right. Um, so I've been gone for a couple of weeks, as you know. Um, I have a couple of cool things to tell you before I tell you what's on my doorstep. Uh, number one, one of the major reasons that I've been gone is because I've been in the middle of auditions and callbacks, and I am proud to announce that I will be playing the role of Catherine Martin in the Cleveland premiere of Silence, the musical, the unauthorized musical parody of Silence of the Lambs. Oh, wow. So I finally get to achieve my goal of being a great big fat person, <laughs> and I am fucking stoked so that's why i've been gone because i i've been getting tweeted at by people that are like where the hell are you it's not the same without you okay there's like two people that actually (laughs) care but (laughs) to those two people i got you um but i have gotten to watch a lot of cool stuff um the first one i'll touch on briefly just because i know we're going to talk about it in a little bit but um i got this wonderful package from vinegar syndrome and inside it was some sweetest pornography (laughs) um (laughs) containing um let's get physical and body girls which is just uh, the best um but i'm not going to touch on touch on that too much uh same thing with uh disco godfather god bless you disco godfather um I know we're going to talk more about that, but I'm just getting you all hyped to know that regardless of what Sean or Brad think about it, I think it's fucking <laughs> awesome. And I can't wait to talk about it uh, probably in a couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, just go Godfather. Super awesome. Um, <laughs> as far as things that are on my doorstep, there is a film and I'm going to feel like such a shithead. Whoever has IMDb up 
quicker. Sean, you have to look Sean. it up. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Probably Sean. Um, but there is this movie called Raging Hormones. I tweeted about this. Oh yeah, and I know, totally. Yeah, Brad tweeted about it with me. Um, but I realized I didn't talk about it. Like I haven't been on been on to talk about it with you guys. Uh, Raging Hormones is a movie that feels like the ultimate love letter to John Waters film. It is about a guy who's on summer vacation before um, he's about to start college and his family and his town and how he inadvertently becomes the sex slave of like his town crush. And when I say town crush, I mean like she's that girl that you know is married or that has a boyfriend that you'll never get a chance to be with. But due to some crazy random happenstances, he gets to, you know, be the sub to this woman's dom this movie needs to be seen by anybody who thinks that a, they like cult cinema or B they like John Waters films. I forgot how wonderful this film is. I forgot how funny it is, how well crafted it is. Um, it was, it, it's a blast. It's not the easiest thing to find. I mean, you can find it online, but if you think you're going to like pop it on Netflix or Redbox, or wherever, you're probably not going to have much luck, but if you're totally cool with watching women with eye makeup like Divine um, walk around in tube tops and buy frozen meat, you're going to be really stoked about this film. It's fantastic. Highly recommend it. 10 you, 10 all day. It's you great. had me at women buying frozen meat. Oh my God. She wears curlers in her hair the entire movie. <laughs> she does her eye makeup like a cross between Mimi from the Drew Carey show and Divine. And she's in these tube tops and she's got like, like she's, you know, a very voluptuous woman. She's built very much like Edith Massey, but she's just walking around buying meat from this man who has an accent that I can't place anywhere. And I don't ever want to try to, because it's great. It's like French, but also Middle Eastern at the same time. I don't know what's going on there, but I'm, I'm real into it. And he's trying to like sell her pork loin and it's like this weird, like creepy erotic scenario. It's, it's wonderful. It's so good. Um, so yeah, Raging Hormones, check it out. It's great. <laughs> um, I also checked out in my uh, adventures on Netflix um, a film called Tiger House. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's about my feelings on Tiger House. Is just ugh. Um, it has so much potential, too. I really, really wanted to like this movie because yeah. I am a total glutton for home invasion films because I am a complete spaz and, like, paranoid idiot, and I'm constantly fearful that someone's going to break into my house and murder me. Um, I'm just that's, fascinated. That's, that's a fun <laughs> way to live. I know. It's completely normal. I don't need any help. I'm not in therapy. We understand. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm fascinated by home invasion because it's, it's a genre that feels like it only has one direction to go to, but then like you watch a film like the strangers versus a film like funny games. And to me, I feel like they're in completely different directions. And that's fascinating to me is that you have this path that you really think there's only one way to go. And yet you still find new ways to get to that final destination. So I watched tiger house. I had a extremely high hopes which is my own fault because i should know going into anything that is seemingly netflix exclusive that i'm probably going to be disappointed but i figured let's give it a try is i regret it netflix it. exclusive 
it's not a Netflix exclusive, but like I heard pretty much nothing about it outside of its festival run. Um, and then it like boom appeared on Netflix. Yeah, so, it like, came out on I think Magnet put it out on Blu-ray or something. I was like, oh, that looks interesting. Right, then... but like Magnet puts out a lot of things on Blu-ray that like don't hit the stores that like you can only really get if you are a follower of Magnet releasing and what mm-hmm. they're doing. And I think Tiger House kind of fell into that. Is that you really unless unless you were like following their Twitter or following all of their new releases, you would have no fucking clue this movie even existed. With the exception of Netflix. So I watched it. I was sorely disappointed. It did, it has so much potential because it's, you know, a home invasion film where, you know, there's like these two, like this couple that, you know, they're sneaking around to see each other kind of thing and, you know, sneaks into the house and, you know, just happens to stumble upon the fact that they're being held hostage. And like that has, like that log line, I'm in. I'm so fucking in sitting and watching them try to stretch that like really good idea into a like full length movie unfucking bearable and it just really bummed me out because i wanted it to be great and it's not <laughs> so dude those last 20 minutes are horrific because it's like wait this is a home invasion movie but what like plot are we actually trying to do now and once I, you like find out like the true plot of it it's just a total fucking eye roll to me it feels like they didn't know how to end it so they just kind of like took the first idea that came in their mind and ran with it not thinking about mm, logic or continuity or any of that i don't hate it quite as much as i hate the ending of mockingbird but you and i will forever disagree on that one um if it ended like mockingbird i would have jizzed all over it Wow. Uh, but that's that's kind of how I felt about the ending of Tiger House. I was like, really? Are we still okay? Fine. Um, I'm not gonna spoil the ending because I'm not an asshole. But yeah, Tiger House, no dice. Um, <laughs> so there's that. I rewatched Stranger Things again because <laughs> why the fuck not? But I've already talked about it, so I'm not gonna talk about it again. It's just, it continues to be something that is endlessly fascinating to me if only for the conversations that it sparks. I will say that now that I've watched it for a third time, I am not so much team Barb as I used to be. I actually kind of think that she's useless and I don't know why I got swept up in the hype of why I thought Barb was awesome. Fuck Barb. She's kind of useless. And she's kind of a slut shamer. I'm not down with that. Oh shit. <laughs> so yeah. my, upon my third watch, my perspective of Barb has greatly changed. Um, but the one that I like, I really, really wanted to talk about and, um, it might get a little personal and if I burst into tears, I'm sorry, I will try to like say this as quickly and as painlessly as possible. Um, one of my long, 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 long time friends, you know, been friends with this person for 15 years, um, is going to die she is losing her battle of cancer and i know that i've talked plenty of times on the show before Mm. about my own battle and it's you know causing all these different emotions all this sort of weird survival's survivor's guilt that i have um but I'm, i'm gonna be going home this weekend to say you know my my farewells to her and it's it's really fucking with me a little bit but I have so many incredible memories with this person. Um, her name is Amanda. I, obviously, I'm going to say her name. Her name's Amanda. She's one of the most incredible human beings I've ever been 
fortunate enough um, to have in my life. And um, of all the memories that we have together, one of them is that we used to be a part of this like little club, me and her and my best friend Elspeth and a couple other people, where once a week we would go to Blockbuster and we wouldn't even read the back of the of the box. We would just pick a movie based solely on its cover art and, and we'd take it home and rent it. And for a, the longest time, we just would watch shit after shit after shit movie. Um, like one of my personal favorite ones is this like shitty, I think it's called Slasher. No, it's called, it's just called Slash, like just S-L-A-S-H. And it's about like a farmer like scarecrow serial killer thing. All I remember is that the end of it has a rock band singing about their experiences. And the tagline is them like super new metal singing E I E I O. Like, so that gives you an idea of like the shit house movies we would bring home from the video store. Um, but one of my strongest memories that I have growing up with Amanda is that she was so sick and tired of us just watching these shit movies that she said, you know what? Fuck it. This week we're watching 13 Ghosts. None of us have seen it, but you know what? If it came out through a movie theater, then it has to be good. <laughs> so <laughs> I rewatched 13 Ghosts. Uh, not the original, the uh, remake with Rod Digga and Tony Shaloub and and Matthew Lillard. <laughs> and you know what? I don't give a fuck what anyone says. 13 Ghosts is kind of awesome. <laughs> Yeah, like, I've always thought that movie is a lot of fun. I've always kind of liked it too. Like, so. I took away all of my bias, all of my nostalgia, all of, you know, what this movie means to me in the circumstances that I'm currently in. 13 Ghosts is fun as fuck. Like, I'm sorry, but I am a total sucker for that, like, mid to late 90s, like, token characters that would say, like, shitty, slightly racist one-liners that then ended up being perfect. Like, where'd the lawyer go? The lawyer split? And then, like, haha, he was cut in half by a glass door. That's funny. <laughs> That's just hilarious to me. I'm, I know that makes me a terrible person, but it's funny. It's nah. super funny to me that that was ever something that people, you know damn well somebody pitched 13 Ghosts and they're like, do you know what this is missing? A token one-liner. We need to throw that in there. Let's use Rod Digga. Like, that's really funny to me because it's just so blatantly offensive and awful. And it's funny that that ever was okay. Um, but upon rewatching it, I am so shocked that there was never an expansion of 13 Ghosts. Why are there not spinoff movies for all of these characters? Because some of the mythos of these characters are fucking terrifying. The Jackal is legitimately one of the most unsettling looking creatures I've ever seen. Same with the hammer, same with the torso, um, especially the angry princess, which I know is really only prominent because she was topless for most of it. But there's something really unsettling about like a blood red lip and a dark eye on a topless gray woman. Um, but I really think that there should have been more to the 13 Ghost story than there was with just the remake. I think that they kind of shit the bed on that. Um, I did rewatch like all of the special features they have on the DVD of it, which is really interesting because it goes into these mythos like a lot more in depth. And I think that's where my fascination is coming from because I remember all of my friends and I watching this movie as kids and being like, Oh my God, we need to know more about it. And 13 ghosts was one of the first DVDs that I can remember having 
such in-depth special features, and I think that's why I like special features so much, is in all honesty, because of 13 Ghosts. Um, I know the movie gets a bad rap. I know a lot of people think that it's shitty, but, you know, maybe I'm a terrible person for saying it. I think it's a lot more entertaining than the source material. I think the source material is kind of dull, and I think that's pretty (laughs) poorly made. 13 Ghosts, the remake, is actually super fun. I'm not trying... Yeah, at least like there's like fun gore and stuff, and you know what I mean. It doesn't shy away yeah, from that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Ghosts and the monsters. I mean, there's plenty. Even if it's not the greatest film, like there's enough in there to as a horror fan. It's like, fun, and like to that's have fun the with. thing. It's yeah, it's a fun movie. The sc- I think that the jump scares are really effective, even after all this time. I think the characterizations are really clever. I think that the gore is it's it's a really really good amount. The only thing that I wish they would have done a little bit more with is, you know, this half-assed attempt at, like, a heart-wrenching story of, you know, the burned woman or whatever the mm. hell her ghost name is supposed to be, Tony, like, Monk's wife, whatever she's supposed to be. I think that if they would have taken that a little step further, this would be a movie that we would all treasure as something that's brilliant and wonderful and breathtaking, but they try to, like, shoehorn this love story thing, but we're, no one's really invested into it, so it doesn't really hold any water to any of us. But as far as, like, these weirdo remakes or these weirdo horror movies that came out in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, 13 Ghosts is completely underrated, and I think that more people should watch it, give it a chance, rewatch it. I think that as the years have passed, it's aged pretty well. Um, I think that it's a great timepiece for the films that came came out in that in uh that kind of decade i think that that's it's like the perfect film that captures every trend that was going on at that time i have a stack of 90s horror films that i want to get to and it's on that stack it's like that and then of course the you know i know you did last last summer and all that stuff uh you need to also throw colobus in there if it's not there track that shit down colobus is awesome what is it brad have you seen colobus um i don't know what you're saying Call of us? <gasps> Holy fuck. I've seen so, something that neither of you have seen. This has never happened. Spell it, spell it for me. K-O-L-O-B-U-S. Oh, Colobus. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I thought you were saying I, I was hearing something completely different. I've also drank an entire bottle of wine by myself, so, <laughs> so I cannot be held liable for anything that I'm trying to say. slurring stuff. Call of us? Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, I've never, I've, I've never seen this. Oh my god, Sean! You need to look this shit up right now. It is so cutting edge and a like ahead of its time. It's ridiculous. Am, like you'll watch it and be like, "Oh, this must have came out in 20, 2009. I don't know why I tried to start that with twenty, but two thousand and nine. And you're like, "Wait, no, from not then. Fuck, <laughs> great. I don't know what year it came out. I want to say like the nineties, but I could be wrong. Thank you. It came out in ninety nine, and it plays like." The real world, but better. It's fucking sweet. It's a Is it sweet a Blu-ray? Movie. Is it a Blu-ray? No. Probably not. No. <laughs> I, have it on, <laughs> I have it on VHS, and the box is, like, holographic. God damn, the DVD's, uh, well, you can get it on a double feature with a movie called Tail Sting for 10 bucks used. All right, I'll there track the go. sucker down. Fuck yeah. yeah, track it down. It's awesome. See, right. the reason why I didn't remember the name is because when I was little, I called that Colobos. Colobos. 
I called so. it Kalobos when I found it because I read it like, oh, like Lobo, like wolf. <laughs> no, it's not close at all. It's very wrong. Okay. It's Kalobos. Well, I, I'm putting it in the show notes too so people can track it down as well. Yeah, track that shit down. It's awesome. All right. But yeah, that's my doorstep. What's up? Very cool. All right. I'll go ahead and go. I only well, got I, d- I need you to relax. Um, <laughs> I, well, I just wanted to say like I know the 90s get shit on a lot for, you know, terrible movies. But I think in around, like, especially 98, 99, 2000, we had a good portion of, uh, you know, fun horror films um, and and things that, I don't know, they were just a little different because they were trying to emulate what the 80s did as well as throwing some new age stuff in there and also appealing to kids. And the cool part about these 98, 99, 2000 horror films is they weren't as scared to make them rated R, which was a thing that we do now. Like uh, most of the horror films that come out, uh, Blumhouse, all, all those, all those, uh, films, they're all PG 13. You know, it, we don't get. R-rated horror films that much anymore. They're mostly, you know, audience pleasers with all this other shit. So, um, you know, appealing to everybody. So I think in those, like, three years, I mean, everything from 13 Ghosts to Ghost Ship to, uh... Can we you know, please talk about how amazing the opening sequence of Ghost Ship is? It's yeah, the best it's part a, of the movie. It's God, incredible. incredible. <laughs> like, have you ever seen a movie that blows its load faster? No, man, it... it that's the problem with that film is that it's like the best thing that I'd seen in a long time. (laughs) Ghost ship is the cinematic equivalent of a two pump chump. Like it starts off so good. And you're like, this is the greatest day of my life. And then like that it's all over with. And you're left sad and upset and wondering what the hell just happened. Yeah. But goddamn great. I mean, one of the best opening openings to a horror film no, in a long time. I mean, it's that's great. Yeah, no, but it's just it's one of those things that I, I I just think that we we pass off. But if we really look, you know, on those three years, I mean, stuff like you know Valentine, Urban Legend. I love Valentine. I am you know, such an apologist for that movie. You know, and we had the remake of Psycho. Uh, you know, I'm not had, an apologist for eh. that. Movie. <laughs> I, I still I, can't I still there. know we uh, summer the Blair Witch Project. I mean. Yes, we had yes, a yes. shit ton of films, um, and I, I don't know. I, I I really love those years of uh, of cinema. Even fucking Jamie Lee Curtis and Virus. Jesus Anything Christ! Anything that had like five heads on the cover with like something in the background, I'm probably down with. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's it was a really great year for movies. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm a little more partial to it because I was going to the theater with friends and taking them to go see these movies, you know, sneaking in, getting into these movies and watching, you know, these brutal rated R horror films. And, um, you know, we don't have that anymore, sadly enough. Uh, You're right. I don't know. You're it just, it, right. it just kind of passed. I mean, we still have great films. Don't get me wrong. But, but they're all like independent films that you get on Blu-ray or that you find yeah. on Netflix, you find on Voodoo. They're These not ones that hit the theater. Yeah. These are hardcore mainstream films. We would never have a movie like Virus 
with Jamie Lee. Everybody knows what I'm talking about, like the fucking oh, yes. ship that has all the like, computer robots and shit. I need to watch that yeah. again. I'm a sci-fi we nut. We would so. never have that movie again in the theater, no matter what cast you had, really. Unless it was like, you know, fucking that dude from Guardians of the Galaxy who was in that TV show. and Chris you Pratt. Know, yeah. And fucking, you know, I don't know, some popular female. And, you know. Everybody would look squeaky clean like they just came fresh off the CW. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, I don't know. We, we just, we don't have that anymore. And I kind of I miss that. So I'm always happy to watch a movie from the 90s, you know, late 90s. Um, early 90s is a different story. Um, I don't know. It's just a really great, great few years, especially growing up at that time. If you didn't grow up during that time, I might be a little bit different because you're, you, you know, it was a change in cinema. But I, I think from, you know, a, a standpoint as, uh, you know, a 15 year old kid, that was some cool shit. So. Agreed. I think there's some there's some gems if you've if you've written off '90s horror there are some gems in there to be discovered for sure. The fucking faculty. Oh fuck yeah! Kidding me? Yeah. I saw that shit yeah. in the theater twice. Damn, Sean, you hard, bro. <laughs> Talk about idle hands, motherfucker. Oh hell yeah! Idle hands, yeah idle hands too. Yep, yep. Some good stuff. I was tweeting earlier about how disturbing behavior may have the single greatest soundtrack ever. Um, I know that that's jumping ahead to the later topic that I will not be a part of. Which <clears throat> I- We're sorry. Are you there? Okay. Hello? Hello? Man, she just like dipped out altogether. <laughs> she did not I thought she just phone. hung up on us. Skynet. There we go. I didn't hang up on you. <laughs> like, oh, oh, Skynet. God damn you, Skynet. All right. Uh, am I ready to go? Can I go? Go for it. You haven't went yet? Oh, good. Jesus Christ, Brad. All right. Uh, all right. Well, I watched, I watched a couple things, but, um, first I gotta, I gotta say, uh, let everyone know that Wolfman of Mars has a new EP coming out September 16th called Warp Suburbium. And it's awesome. Uh, I got to hear a little bit of it today. And, uh, you guys make sure you grab that. It's, I think it's one of their best so far. They keep getting better and better as they release stuff. So, yeah, and of course, it. I'm not biased because they've wrote music for the show, but I mean, uh, believe us, believe me, it's good. So make sure you check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I watched a couple things finally. Uh, it's, it's been hard for me to sit down and watch anything lately, but I finally watched after having the Blu-ray for, and I think since we started the show, Brad, I finally watched Saturn three. Saturn three, right? Saturn three. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, wow. The idea of Saturn 3 is fantastic. <laughs> uh, the beginning has some cool little sci-fi crap. Uh, and then it just turns into shit. Uh, I think that basically like Harvey, Ka- Ka- Harvey Keitel shows up, uh, on the Saturn with, uh, this, uh, robot in a case. And the only other people on the base are Farrah Fawcett and Kirk Douglas. Who are a couple who are fucking for, for some reason. She's like what, like 20 and he's like in his seventies at this point, I think. The age gap is pretty disgusting, but, uh, whoa, no judgment shot. here on my Damn. part. Uh, and then of course, Harvey Cattell, uh, his little robot in a case or whatever, uh, he downloads his brain or something or part of his brain so it can learn fast and then it, uh, Turns into basically a killer robot with a killer robot with a really small head. 
So I think the main problem with this film is there's only three people. Like if there was kind of people there for murder fodder, for robot murder fodder, I think it would at least be a little more fun. But it's just these three people and they try to do this kind of like love triangle-ish tension, you know, with Harvey Keitel. And uh, he talks like a like a Vulcan, like he has no emotion or anything. And it's speaking just, of happy fiftieth anniversary Star Trek. Anyways, oh yeah, What's up? <laughs> sorry, Team Riker. That's all I gotta say, <laughs> ladies' man to the max. Oh my god! And he mounts he mounts his chairs. Have you guys seen that YouTube video of him sitting down? He like m- like hurdles <laughs> over the chair to sit down. He never just sits down. He always is kind of mounting it. You've said mount way too many yeah, times. I just, when I think Riker, I think, I think, you know, he When mounts. I think of Riker, I think of prison. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, so, so Saturn <laughs> 3, uh, like, I had high hopes kind of for just kind of B-movie sci-fi crap, you know, but this one didn't, it didn't go the extra mile. It just, it was just kind of got boring. Um pretty pretty disappointed there's i had a couple laughs at at it, its expense but i, I was actually kind of bummed that it wasn't didn't you know, it's not as cool as virus you know that's for sure nothing as cool as virus Sean. uh and uh anyway next up i'm not gonna spend too much time on that it looked great though good job screen factory um i finally watched and i'm probably gonna tell me if i'm pronouncing this wrong or not but tenenbrae Tenebrae. Well, you, oh. Tenebrae? No. You can, you can Tenebrae? Say tenebrae. Yeah, it's okay. Tenebrae. There you go. Tenebrae. Got it. Or right. you can say Tenebra. Okay, oh. Tenebrae. Did you watch that beautiful, beautiful hard shell? What the hell is it called? I'm sorry. I'm From Synapse? The, the, yes. the Steelbook? No, no, I didn't. Steelbook. I, God, I had, fuck me. Yes, I, had bought the, I had bought the Arrow Blu-ray um, for like 15 bucks. So oh, well, like, aren't you Mr. Fancy Pants? So I was like, well, I don't, I couldn't justify spending $40. Oh, on I justified a the shit out of that steel book. The only thing that would get me to buy that is it has to be a little bit cheaper, but there is a documentary on there about Giallo that I want to see. So one of these days I'll probably grab it, but, uh, this is my first time. I wanted to watch it first to make sure I loved it. And if you think Synapse is ever going to go below 40 on that steel book, I, I know. Damn I, I'm, it's I'm fucking be, Synapse. I'm probably gonna be stupid and grab the Demon Steelbooks if they're still around. Dude, Demons oh, is still forty five dollars so a pop. Ugh, they're not, so they're not gonna come down in price. Yeah, God but damn it, Synapse. Demons is so good. See, that's the thing that makes you crazy is that like they're putting out stuff that's so good, but they will never drop the price. Those Demon Steelbooks have been forty five for like two yeah. years. But see, I had the Arrow Steelbook for that, and I, there's some extras on there, so I got their standalone fourteen ninety nine versions for the better picture quality. Um, for, for Tenebrae, I probably would, I want that documentary and they would take that documentary off. It's like, just leave the documentary on and give me the freaking plastic case. God damn it. Anyway, Tenebrae, uh, fucking fantastic. As, as you all probably know, <laughs> but, um, yes. I absolutely adored it. And, you know, my, my Giallo repertoire is not very deep and I've been slowly, you know, what, trying to watch more and more. And I have, because of the show, we've, we've actually watched quite a bit. But this one, like with the music and everything, um, with the kind of detective story that it's telling and with like the, 
God damn, there's like one scene or a couple scenes where there's just buckets of blood splurting everywhere. Uh, pretty shocking. And it kind of came out of left field and I, I loved it. And, um, yeah, there's just some great characters and, um, I, was, I just thought it was great. Great soundtrack. And what I loved about, about this, and I don't think I've seen it in too many other films. And Brad, let me know if there's other films that do this, but the way they pan the camera, like they'll pan the camera. Like the way Argento will like pan the camera, you think maybe you're going to see something, and then it just switches to the scene. Sometimes, though, you do notice something, but he kind of plays with the audience a little bit because there's one scene where the killer or somebody's outside, and he's just panning the camera like over the house as it's raining and just over and around. And you're just watching the rooftops of a house, and then it pans down to you know to a window, and, of course, maybe there's someone outside the window. But the way he kind of plays with the camera I thought was was really fun. And this is, uh, definitely a film that I'll, I'll, I want to compare the, you know, the Synapse version. I, I was looking up screen caps online and it looks like they did a better job color correcting it. As far as like clarity, I think it looked, this looked just fine, but, um, I think they, it's probably a prettier, uh, colors, I would imagine in the, in the Synapse, cause it seems like they corrected some wonky blues or whatever on it from the Arrow one. But, uh, anyway, so, so yeah, I crossed that off the, the big old list of shame. So I was very excited. How long your is your list. list of shame? It's, 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 it's you know, it's, you know, I it's feel long like but I distinguished. Wrap, I feel like I could wrap a gift for every child of Christmas <laughs> with your list of shame. My list of shame is, is is ridiculous and my to watch pile is ridiculous. But you know what? I'm I'm slowly but surely knocking stuff off. So Yeah, if people are not following the Screamcast on Twitter, they are greatly missing out on Sean's giant to watch pile. You're to watch <laughs> like you could build the Iron Throne. It's like somebody's race. You have like, it's like seen. the collection somebody's trying to get to. Like I'm trying to get this many movies, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't watched all ridiculous. of them. Half of them are still in the plastic. God damn it. It's it, so it, insane. There's days where I, 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 I do get depressed and I, I do struggle with the depression because of that. But, you know, I'm, I, I may go to therapy. That may help, but Why it's just go time. to therapy well, when you a, can watch more movies? It, being a parent with three kids and, and everything, it's like, it's tough to find a time to, to, to sit down and watch these. And I'm not staying up late anymore, which is like, God damn it. But, but slowly but surely, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I am, I'm, I'm knocking through them all. So, but, um, but those are the two movies that I watched and, uh, I wish I could watch more. I did discover based on, uh, for, through Twitter, I think, um, one of our listeners was listening to this podcast, but it's a, it's a podcast with Steve Barton and Joe, uh, Netter. And it's called Brainwaves Horror and Paranormal Talk Radio. And, uh, I think Steve Barton, I know him from Dread Central. And I yeah, follow him on Twitter. Yeah, that's Uncle Creepy. Yeah, Uncle Creepy. And, uh, the podcast, like, the one that the person was listening to was, uh, their episode on, um, on the, the whole, the flat earth <laughs> conspiracy or whatever. There's people out there that think that the earth is flat. So I really want to listen to this episode. It's three hours and 17 minutes long. Um, but I want to listen to that one. But they, you know, they have interviews with Sid Haig and, um, Doug Bradley and, and, uh, and things like that. But it sounds like they're doing a little more than just interviews. They're going into more paranormal type, uh, type things. And 
So if you're looking for a new podcast uh, to add, not not to replace us, but to add alongside your enjoyment of podcast, uh, check check them out. Uh, pretty good stuff there. And then as I've been diving into my Dungeons and Dragons stuff, as I'm trying to teach my kids and myself how to play Dungeons and Dragons, I stumbled upon uh, Dan Harmon, your creator of Community, has a TV show on CISO called Harmon Quest where they basically play Dungeons and Dragons and they animate their quote-unquote adventure that's in front of a live audience. It sounds a bit weird, but it's fucking funny. I haven't laughed this uh, this hard in a long time. So you're watching people play Dungeons and Dragons, but it's animated, I think, by the animators who do like Rick and Morty. So funny stuff there. And then uh, and then Dan Harmon's podcast, Harmontown, uh, has been keeping me laughing all week long because I've had a shitty week and they've kept me afloat. So a couple podcast shout outs for everybody. That's all I got. Braddy there. Are you there? Hello. Please stand by. So that's all the shit that I've been uh, been listening to slash watching at all. And everyone's everyone's quiet uh, during. Well, as I was talking, I guess BJ got dropped off the call, and uh, she can't get get back in to the Skype call. Skype is a douchebag. It's not a good. It's not a good person. God damn it! Skype is. Uh, Skype doesn't like us. Uh, hey Skype, fuck you, Skype. And then the call drops. Hey Skype, eat a big donkey <laughs> dick. Put your so lips, that, put your lips around that donkey dick, Skype. I really right. hope you're not putting that in the show. Oh, it's in the show. I don't care. I don't care anymore. Um. So yeah. So I, I you, uh, you've heard of Dan Harmon? No. Yes. No. No. Not at all. Okay, well, creative community, like I said, writer, director, and, uh, Rick and Morty is the, the, the thing now it's on, uh, it's cartoon on, I think, Adult Swim. Funny shit, but, uh, Harmon Quest is on CISO. Check that out. I think you can get CISO free for a month. Uh, you can burn through the Harmon Quest series pretty quick. And, uh, if you're into Dungeons and Dragons, or even if you're not, my wife's actually been watching it and laughing. Um, are you dialing? Are you calling someone? Are you dialing a number? Hello. Oh, there you are. That's weird, man. I heard dialing. <laughs> Is someone listening to this podcast? See, I, I I pissed off Skype. Sorry. I told you, man. You should have done that. Big brother person who may be listening. Uh, I will not insult Skype again. All I'm saying is, God damn it! All I'm saying is. I don't think we're supposed to be plugging Harmon. Check out Harmon Town, the podcast. I'm I'm like, I'm like uh, eleven episodes in, and he has like two hundred and eleven episodes. He's been doing this since the last presidential election, so the the Romney jokes aren't really hitting as hard right now. Because I, I just went all the way back to the beginning. Because this is, I guess, where they started the idea to do the whole Dungeons and Dragons uh, TV show. During this podcast, and it's goddamn it, it's funny. Uh, 
funny stuff. That's all. I'm done. What the hell you have you been watching? Oh, hey, uh, Sean, I've been watching some movies, <laughs> um, and they've been really good. Okay. So thanks, you, thanks for asking. Would you like to expand on some of the movies you've been watching? Yeah. Um, some have been horror. Uh, some have been comedy. Uh, n- not everything has been for everybody. How about that? <laughs> uh, and that's been on my doorstep. Um, no, but in all seriousness, <laughs> I, um, oh, I'm such a dick. Um, so I got around to watching, um, Jaws 3, which, um, I, 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 I think I reported last show I watched Jaws 2. Yep. Which, um, I was, I was slightly, you know, I, I went in not thinking I was going to watch a sequel to Jaws. So that's why, but I, I, all in all, I wasn't that happy with Jaws 2. I, I enjoyed it for what it was worth. Um, so I went on to Jaws 3. <laughs> oh. I like Jaws 3. You like Jaws 3. Yeah. I like Jaws 3 <laughs> quite a bit. Um, it, it was funny because, I don't know if I'm not just not that into Jaws, but I totally thought that baby shark was the Jaws. And I was like, man, it's going to attack people in that little pool. This is where he becomes a slat. He becomes basically just a slasher. And I was like, shit, man, this is going to be insane. This little baby shark's going to get beat people. <laughs> no, uh-uh. There's a big mama shark out there. Yeah. And it got me. I was like, oh, shit. That's the one where the guy supposedly gets eaten by jaws or whatever the shark and is is the camera is like inside as he's inside the shark and it looks awful is, the, is am i thinking the right thing um no he gets it's one of the people that you know help out and <laughs> he uh he gets eaten underneath uh when he's trying to i guess go up a ladder and later on he's still like kind of wedged in the shark's mouth he's dead but he's like wedged right, right, in right. there but, and, but um, that don't, I don't know if that's – if they really studied the anatomy of a shark, though. That's, that's the funny thing. You know, Sean, I enjoyed Jaws 3. That's awesome. I'm glad you did. Um, and, did, did you, you know, did you watch it in 3D? No, but it has a cool cast. It has Louis Gossett Jr., Dennis yeah. Wade, Leah Thompson. I mean, what more do you want? I, I mean, yeah. it's a fun little horror film. I think we look at the Jaws sequels as – Oh man, Steven Spielberg, Jaws three, and it's not. It's just no, no, you know, yeah, Jaws. So I enjoyed it. I actually used to rewatch Jaws: The Revenge all the time, okay, and that's, that's the one. The and that's the one where the shark roars like a lion. Hey, I want to hear some roaring because <laughs> I would probably dig that. It never bothered me one bit. So, I used to draw um, cartoons of Jaws the Revenge Shark because it has like a burn around its eye, and I would I would always want to draw I would always draw that shark. Hey man, I I dug it. Hmm. That's all I can say. That's refreshing to hear. Um, so I got also around to watching. Um, I rewatched actually. I forgot. It, it, no, I didn't forget. There's a couple movies out there that I truly truly love. And they just never get a much play. And um, sometimes I'm apprehensive about telling them on the podcast because I feel that there's a couple of people that listen to this show that take the movies that I mention and then write articles about them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not going to say any names, but I know who you are, so I suggest you stop. We're on to your um, game, motherfuckers. 
Yeah, it's like a day after our show post, you post about the movie that I talked about. Um, cool. But anyways, um, <laughs> I'll mention this one because we actually had an article from Ash Varner on it that made me want to rewatch it because it was one of the films that I did not watch repeatedly like I did Dog Soldiers and The Descent and Centurion. So I rewatched Doomsday. Yeah. Um, again, dude, this movie is so much goddamn fun. I love I'm it, glad dude. that I, I'm glad I took, you know, a few, you know, years to rewatch it. But I mean, Rona Mitra is, she's great. She Smoking plays hot. another movie. She, oh, yeah. Cause um, she's in one of those but, underworld movies. Yeah, dude. And what, it's one of the best underworld is this movies. Is this the one where it's, uh, Rise of the Lycans? Lycans! Yeah. Dude, Rise of the Lycans <laughs> is the shit, man. It's that's that's a fun fucking movie. I'm, I'm a fan. I I love Rise of the Lycans. Underworld Awakening. That shit can go to fucking. <laughs> um, I don't even know how that. I, so I'm excited for the new Blood Wars movie um, because I, I want to see it end well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Doomsday is great. Great special effects, dude. Talk about some fucking gore. Oh, yeah. Like, dude, people's heads are being, like, splattered all over the place. Like, they don't hold back at all. Mm. Um, uh, really, really fun. And uh, that's pretty much it. Watch Neil Marshall's movies. He's uh, he's a fantastic he, director. He, he hasn't made get, a bad movie yet. No, he, and he needs to get back into feature films. He's doing a lot of TV stuff. But, I mean, like, someone someone replied to me on, on Twitter um, that, you know, he's going where the money is. And he's getting paid to do what he does. He's done some Game of Thrones stuff. He's done other like if if a TV show needs an epic medieval's type battle, like he's been the one to call in. Like Centurion was kind of his step away from kind of his own thing because it's obviously kind of a studio, more of a studio movie. But I want to, yeah. I'd love to see him just get back into some horror flicks, man. Because The Descent is probably one of the uh, few like modern horror movies where I was literally just tense the whole way through and not a lot of movies that I've seen in the theater have got me that tense or that kind of just you know, scared out of my mind and like boners boner scared I mean no fear boners fear boners yeah like totally. you get any you get you get fear boners <clears throat> oh yeah yeah I love getting scared where I get boners that's awesome. um, <laughs> but he but he has you know there's a talent there that he has for these for these films, and Doomsday is kind of his his homage to kind of these post apocalyptic type. Oh type yeah, flicks. yeah. I mean, it's a total. And it's great. Like he's know. he's a great genre filmmaker. I even like Centurion, and that one got some shit. But I liked Centurion. I would love to see him do some more feature films. Hopefully, hopefully he listens to this podcast and he jumps back into feature film because of because hey. uh, Ash Varner's amazing article. It's a great article. You guys should read it. By the way, I'm I'm pretty sure that Neil Marshall listens to this. I think so. Um. So, we can get his girlfriend. Uh, is what, his girlfriend uh, Alexa, uh, Alexa Carolyn or something? Like yeah, that? yeah. We, you know, yeah. let me drop her a line. Yeah, you do that. I'll drop her a line, and we'll 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 get we'll get Neil to make some feature films. So today. actually, to, let's talk about more important things. Um, actually, it's not that important, but we will talk about it. Um, I went to the um, one night only. Uh, for Rob Zombie's 31. Mm. Um, I am a huge Rob Zombie fan. Um, I grew up with White Zombie. Um, so when he got into his solo stuff, I really dug that. Hellbelly Deluxe is still like one of my favorite, you know, metal albums. 
Um, so even before then, uh, when I knew he was making House of the Thousand Corpses, um, I remember reading about it, that he's making a movie, so I was super excited, and then it took forever to come out. I, I, I remember seeing a trailer in the theater for, and when I went to go see, I think, I think it was maybe like House of the Dead. I went to go see, uh, that, and there was a trailer before that. And I just really, really wanted to see the movie. The girl I was dating at the time, her parents, she was a little Christian, uh, little Christian girl. Well, you dated um, a Christian girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you suck um, out her soul? Yes. Okay. Um, her family fasted for the movie not to come out. <laughs> so, House of Thousand Corpses, uh, that a little bit, a little bit more special. Uh, for my, no, they, they like fasted like after it was like announced, announced because I kept talking about it and then they like saw like a trailer or something and they were like, they hope the movie, all the copies are destroyed. I'm like, do you not understand how movies work? <laughs> this is not going to happen. But Brad, God is bigger than all these movies, Brad. God can do anything. He can move mountains from sure. faith of small as a mustard seed. So I saw House <laughs> Thousand Corpses and I, uh, I fell in love with that movie and I, I still, Love that movie. Um, I grew up on like films like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and exploitation films like Gator Bait and you know re- just really trashy movies um, and you know trashy people killing you know good looking kids and, um, and and that's what he does and then that's why I always kind of in his defense I always say people are like oh he always moved. All his people are white trash in his movies. Well, there's a reason behind that. He's making a specific type of movie. Yeah, he's not ma- he's not doing it because he like no. He's making that old trashy movies. Uh, he loves that shit, you know. So that, that's what he does. And then Devil's Rejects came out. I I thought that was even better, but on a totally different level. Um, and then uh, of course uh, his remake of Halloween came out, which I enjoy. Um, I look at, at it as a standalone movie and nothing and it is Rob Zombie's own take. It is my, what it is. Yeah. My only complaint with Halloween is that we get to know Michael a little too well. Right. Um, and that's the problem. He's not scary anymore. Now I am a fan, uh, quote unquote fan of Halloween two. I enjoy Halloween 2, I like what he did with it. I like how crazy it got and how real it was. Um, and it truly felt like a Rob Zombie film rather than a uh, remake of Halloween 2 in a hospital. I think if you look at Halloween 2 as a standalone movie, as a sequel to Rob Zombie's Halloween, you will because uh, everybody's comparing it to the original. There's no hospital. Well, there is a hospital in it. It's, no, it's a dream. <laughs> dream hospital it really, it really happened. Sean, Sean, mad at dreams. <laughs> Sean doesn't like fire. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I enjoy that. And Lords of Salem was in my top ten of like 2013. I don't. I think Lords of Salem for me. I mean, for me, it's Devil's Rejects is my uh, that movie. I mean, you feel like you gotta wash like a friggin' you know half an inch of grime off you when you get done watching that movie. But it's it's really well done really well done but i think lords of salem i i i don't know why it's got so much hate because i absolutely loved it it was him kind of trying actually trying something different you know and uh i love that flick man yeah i i i dug it and i and i I truly love it so 
That all said, I was pretty fucking stoked for Rob Zombie's 31. Um, I didn't mind 31. I gave it a two and a half out of five. And I am here okay. to tell you why I gave it a two and a half. Um, number one, uh, I've always loved Richard Brake. Uh, Richard Brake is a very, very intimidating person. He has one of the scariest vibes in the history of cinema. Um, he is just, he's, he makes you feel uneasy. Um, just his presence on screen. When he speaks, it becomes even more frightening. Um, one of my favorite movies that I mention pretty much every fucking show, um, is Asylum Blackout, uh, also known as The Incident. He plays the lead fucking psycho in Asylum Blackout. So when I heard he was basically playing lead Doomhead in 31, I was even more excited. Richard Brake is the best thing about the film. It is worth it just for his performance. And Rob Zombie has filmed, did one of the coolest and most memorable openings of a movie I've seen in a long, long time. Um, I was like getting chills watching the opening to this film. Hmm. Uh, Richard Brake does it's filmed in black and white and he has this long fucking monologue very much almost like the voiceover in kill bill with the bride. Um, it's very like, Tarantino-ish, and it just talks about killing and what he does for a job and what his mind is like, and it is, it's perfect. Um, and then we kind of get into the story, which has a great opening, great introduction of the characters, shows the camaraderie of the characters, shows the differences of the characters, but they still love one another. It's also, you know, Sherry Moon Zombie, who is a complete beauty. I, I, I don't care what people say. I think she is one of the cutest, prettiest women out there. Um, and then you have this two black men by, I want to say, two black men that's in this uh, in this film as well, which was fantastic to see, um, you know, mainly because they're older black men. You don't have, like, fucking, I don't know who's popular, Tay Diggs and <laughs> I, I Idaris I Alba, which they're great actors. Don't get, I, I don't, I, let me take that back. Tay Diggs, I don't know. But Idaris Alba is amazing. Is actor. it Idris? I, I don't know. Idris Alba? Wow, you just corrected me for a change. That's Holy crazy. shit. That, something's wrong. Yeah. Skype. Um, <laughs> so, uh, watching, um, Watching the film unfold with, you know, basically two co-star, uh, you know, black black males as leads. And then Meg Foster, who has still got it. I mean, she, she's been in horror films ever since then. And she, she's, you know, playing uh, a kind of a badass that carries around a club with some nails on it. Um, you know, and it just the, and a couple other characters that are thrown in there. Really funny guy. I can't remember his name. But just a really good group of characters. Um, and 31 after that, and after they get abducted and get thrown in this game, it becomes an homage to Rob Zombie movies. It seems, uh, he repeated, he repeats the same things that he did in his other movies, which was really bizarre to me. 
Um, it wasn't a specific style. It was like he was taking little things here and there and putting them back into this movie. Um, it's really edited. It's very odd how it is uh, edited um, because it's not as crazy and bombastic as you would think. It's pretty tame. Um, it is literally them running one room to another getting attacked by these clowns that uh, they unleash, this uh, group of people. It's very, very reminiscent to The Purge. Um, so, And it just kind of slowly falls apart because it doesn't focus on um, the people anymore, these carnies that are being attacked. Hmm. It kind of focuses on the craziness of these clowns that are chasing them and spends a little too much time with them and wants to be like then rob zombie really churns it out of this like just being complete like psychos like where they just go on these like long stretches of just talking shit and it's like okay you know like one of the clowns is like, I'm going to fuck your mouth hole. I'm going to fuck your asshole. I'm going to fuck your pussy hole. I'm going to fuck your eye hole. I'm going to, and he just keeps going. And it's like, let's, I don't mind when Rob Zombie, like really like gets down and dirty and has like corny dialogue that like that, but man, it just goes on for like too long sometimes. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it was just a little upsetting because I was expecting more. Uh, this feels like if Rob Zombie did a movie before House of Thousand Corpses. This feels like his freshman attempt. Huh. Um, and then House of, Cor- House of Thousand Corpses is his second film and then so on. Because he's, he's an accomplished filmmaker. He really is. And I know people disagree with that because I think they expect more out of Rob Zombie. And he's just giving uh, us horror fans what we really want. Um, like the hardcore horror fans, not saying you're not a horror fan if you don't like Rob Zombie by any means. You, you know, you might not just like his movies, and that's completely fine too. So I'm not attacking anybody. And don't attack me, you sons of bitches. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, he's making horror films that pertain to a certain audience. Um, and, and I enjoy those films. But that said, one of the most disappointing things I've ever seen is I stayed after the film where Rob Zombie had a Q&A that played in the theater. That's why everybody saw this. And long story short, he was talking, because everybody knew that he was trying to do get out of the horror genre, and he was trying to do a hockey movie called The Broad Street Bullies. And I really wanted to see Rob Zombie get out of the horror uh, side and make a hockey movie. I think that'd be really cool. So he... He's been working on this film for a few few years, and you know he's got a bunch of projects he was attached to, like The Crow, the remake of The Blob, all this stuff. It never happened. Um, so he said, out of frustration, he was on a phone call with some producers, and he said, "I could think of the dumbest thing right now, um, and I'm going to say it. Uh, a bunch of people are kidnapped by clowns, and they have 24 hours to survive. And the studio actually bought it. And but he- wasn't this a Kickstarter?" Yeah, well, no, he did a he did a um fun he did crowdfunding, but I mean, studios but that's only, only gonna, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, that's think, re- yeah, okay. I also think he was promised distribution. Right. Uh, at the right. time. And get get this amount of money, you know, yeah. like, like in most people who produce a film have to pony up the money anyway to get the film made. So that, that, that's probably some deal. Get this, get this amount of cash. We'll distribute the film. Yeah. So, you know, it just, it just seemed like he really didn't want to do it. That's what it felt like, the vibes I was getting. And I've seen a lot of interviews with Rob Zombie because I've been a big fan. But it just seems like he was just kind of bored. Hmm. And it kind of does that on screen. Like, it seems that he had a lot of cool ideas for other movies and was, like, taking them and slowly putting them in this movie. Um, so all in all, I give it a two and a half out of five. I'm going to watch it again because, uh, people say the Sundance cut was a little different. Um, yeah, there's apparently going to be, uh, an unrated cut. Well, Rob Zombie in the interview says that there's only two scenes that are missing. Huh, okay. Um, however, I've heard from a few people that saw it at Sundance say that's not true. There's some extensions of scenes and it's just really well put to, like better it's just it's put together a little bit better than what we saw that night so i'm hoping because this thing gets released very shortly it'll be on vod i think uh in just probably a few days after this episode airs because i think it's opening like september 15th on okay. VOD, and then it opens like in limited uh theaters um and um you know you know, in, in your hometown. Well, if you're lucky. Um, so all in all, I was a little disappointed. I did walk out thinking it was a bummer. Um, but I did enjoy myself for the most part. I'm glad I saw it. And I really, really hope people get to see um, the fear and the basically just the just the vibes that Richard Brake can give those audience members. Cause you heard people in the theater, like, you know, <laughs> like Richard Brake's not a pleasant guy. And if you haven't seen his movies, I suggest picking up anything, even doom with the rock. He plays a character. I think his name's goat and he's just a fucked up individual, you know, and he, he's, he's just a great actor. And I, I really hope that he gets more play. So, but that's, that's pretty much what's on my doorstep. Cool, man. Very cool. We will be talking horror soundtracks, uh, with the exception of one. There's one Western in there uh, from Mondo uh, in just a little bit. But first, we need to check in with Josh Obershaw and see what's up with the news. Josh, what's up, man? Good evening. <laughs> Happy to be back. Yes. Welcome. What uh what do you got for us? Well, it's going to be a it's going to be a light news week. Not a whole lot going on, but still some exciting stuff nonetheless. First thing I want to get into uh is our sponsor Vinegar Vinegar Syndrome, excuse me. They just uh announced one of the titles in their October package and uh I don't want to say it's Hobgoblins but it's Hobgoblins. The, uh, <laughs> the 1988, uh, Gremlins inspired. I'm using air quotes right now. Uh, that's all, that's pretty much all the, uh, the details 
that we have with that. It was, I don't know if this was accidentally linked or whatnot. It, the listing on uh, blu-ray.com just sort of appeared and we just went from there. But yeah, that's one of the titles Vinegar Syndrome is putting out in time for Halloween. I think, uh, Diabolic, um, release, like, did something where they showed off all the new ones and I'm trying to find it. I can't, I can't find it now. But, um, let me see. I'm looking at their pre-orders here. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, Hobgoblins. Yeah, I can't find it. I can't, can't find it. Somebody, somebody found it and they, they released something showing all the stuff that, uh, that they're going to be releasing on, uh, on Facebook. Uh, along with, uh, Hobgoblins. Let's see here. I see. We talked about Hellbent, right? Last week? Uh, yeah. So Hobgoblins, uh, did we talk about, we talked about Horror House on Highway 5? Oh yeah, that's all the, uh, the September package. Yeah. Um, damn it. Yeah, they got some other ones here, but they're, they're like, with their stuff, it's all, um, did we talk about Murder Weapon and Deadly Embrace? That's the, that's the Lania Quigley ones. We talked yeah, about we, that. Yeah, we talked about the... Okay. Yeah. So I think we were ahead of the game here. Uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, I think we... Uh, Nightmare Sisters, did we talk about that? Yep. Yes, we did. Yep. Okay. All right. So, so there we go, everyone. We had the scoop. We had the scoop. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right. Sorry to interrupt. No, it's all good. I mean, that was all the information that we had on that particular title. But as soon as, um, as soon as, you know, as soon as there's an official announcement, we'll let you know what's going to be on the Hobgoblins disc, which is going to be interesting what they find and what they call together to put on this Blu-ray. Let, let me, let me see if the, if the Diabolic listing has anything. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Uh, let's see here. All right, here we go. It's uh, restored, preserved in 2K from 35mm original negative. Archival commentary Ooh. track with director Rick Sloan. Hobgoblins revisited a brand new making of featurette. And then a new interview oh, wow. with uh, the creature fabricator, Kenneth Hall. <laughs> and then there's another uh, Hobgoblins, the making of a disaster piece featurette. And then Hobgoblins invade, <laughs> invade Comic-Con. And a reversal... Uh, reversible cover artwork. So there you go. I think that's like, pretty sweet. I don't know if they put it up on their side. I think they just allowed uh, Diabolic to kind of have the scoop and just chuck them up here. <laughs> well, I didn't even think to look at uh, Diabolic. I mean, I, I you just usually wait until you know Vinegar Syndrome says here's what we got. Yeah, normally we I get didn't like even an think email. about that. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it looks like the the Linnea Quigley ones. They're going to have uh, commentary tracks with uh, Linnea Quigley and uh, the director. So some good stuff there. As you should. Mm-hmm. All right. Totally. Go forth. Uh, Nick. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> we've got the final list of extras for the for that two disc collector's edition of Child's Play. Uh, all of the uh, the archival bonus features that have been on. Previous uh, editions are going to be on it. So the new stuff includes a 2K scan from the Inner Positive, a brand new audio commentary with director Tom Holland, and a couple of a uh, couple of good little goodies here. We've got uh, behind the scenes special effects footage from Howard Berger, a total of 60 minutes worth of that. 
uh, Howard Berger, your special effects friend till the end, which is an interview with Berger, and that's about 40 minutes. And Life Behind the Mask, Being Chucky. This is an interview with actor Ed Gale, who a lot of people may know also played uh, Howard the Duck. That's yeah. going to be 40 minutes. So so those are your new um, your new bonus features for Child's Play, the collector's edition. Now, uh, breaking from home video at the moment, I got some good news and I got some bad news for all you Godzilla fans. <laughs> that new uh, Toho... Godzilla movie, the first new one in 12 years, Shin Godzilla or Godzilla Resurgence is coming to U.S. theaters. Bad news is it's only going to be here for a week. It's only going to be playing from October 11th to October 18th. So if you want to catch a Toho Godzilla movie on the big screen, that's your chance. October 11th through the 18th and go to thescreencast.com. We've got a link there where you can purchase tickets. Very cool. Going back to home video, if you go to thescreencast.com, you can also find a, uh, a gallery I put up of the front key art for a bunch of Code Red titles that are going to be coming out soon. But what I really want to tell you about is they've got The Church, the 1987 uh, Michelle Salvi movie, The Church, which yes. is often mistaken for a demon sequel. Um, <laughs> now... Not a whole lot of information on that as of yet, except that they just did an interview with uh, Giovanni Lombardo uh, Radici, who people know from uh, Cannibal Ferox. But as far as release date or any other bonus features, we don't have that yet, but we'll let you know. So Code Red's got opera and now the church. Wow, those two are must-buys. For like, sure. And they'll be solid. Like All their stuff has always been solid. Like They've been hard to get a hold of sometimes, and... Dealing with Bill can be a pain in the ass sometimes, but you know all the Code Red stuff has always been like a, a legit release, you know. So, except when he kind of sneaks Agreed. the Banana Man on the cover of some places, it's like, dude, really? But I don't, I don't get that. But whatevs. And last but not least, for you guys this week. Um, Sean Squires is actually reporting that we're getting an extended cut of the Evil Dead remake. Fede Alvarez says that it was going to be coming, quote, just in time for Halloween, which is next month. So, surprise. <laughs> um, we don't have any details on when exactly is the release date for that or what's on it. There it hasn't been like an official like announcement from, I guess it's Sony that's put out the remake. On home video? I believe it is. But yeah, but we should be getting, I guess we're getting an extended cut of that movie pretty soon. Huh. Which I understand a lot of people have been, um, people have been clamoring for that. Which is fine. I mean, I like the Evil Dead remake. I like uh, it yeah. a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find it right now because I, I felt like there was some, uh, confusion. Um, did you see the, the Bloom House? article uh no actually i didn't know i i was actually looking at blumhouse earlier and i couldn't even find it let's see here uh da, 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 da. bullshit 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 da, 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 da. let me uh just close this down and see if i can find it yes there's a longer version but it's not a director's cut no it's just an extended cut it's okay yeah it looks like uh the 
the extended version accidentally got uh, sent to the UK. They were airing or they were uh, airing the wrong, the extended version on cable in the UK. Oh, nice. But he says the director's cut is what is went to theaters and what's on Blu-ray now. But there will be an extended cut that helps flesh out some of the characters. So, um, which is which is fine. I mean, sometimes ex- extended cuts work. Sometimes they don't. But I like sometimes I like owning both cuts, you know, and I can make my own decision. Sometimes I'm in the mood, you know, I'd be in the mood for an extended cut. Sometimes not. But it sounds like he's happy with the director's cut, but the extended cut is what he kind of seems to be like. They had whittled down and and were almost happy, but he went in for some pacing issues and and made his theatrical. But it, I mean, I, I love. I mean, the theatrical is just fine with me. But it'll be it'll be fun, you know, to compare and watch next. Oh, great! Cool. It is. Yeah, like I said, light news week. So that's all the uh, that's all the time I have for you, fine <laughs> peoples out there. All right, Josh. Thanks. Thanks a lot, man. And again, thanks for all you do on the site. We really, uh, really appreciate it, man. You've really uh, helped kick things into gear as far as the site goes. So. Oh, it's my pleasure. All right. We'll talk to you next week, man. See you guys next week. All right. Uh, let's jump into our conversation uh, about soundtracks. Cool. So, They're sorry. Good. I like them. No, no, no. Sorry, I couldn't think of a, of a, of a witty segue here. But basically, um, you got your hands on a handful of of vinyl records released was it released through mondo yeah mondo mondo death waltz okay yeah mondo so death waltz yeah that's who um that's who puts these together i mean <clears throat> mostly uh yeah mostly i mean we could just say mondo i guess uh for for you know just to clarify so i mean but, i'm i'm a huge fan of horror movies on vinyl i or soundtracks i have let me open up my cabinet. Um, oh, I mean, hold on. It was, uh, I'm trying to see who released this, but, um, Waxwork Records has been releasing a whole bunch. I, I have the Friday the 13th soundtrack, which is pretty, uh, it was, it's a prized possession of mine and they've, they've done some good work. So it seems like the past couple of years, you know, other companies have been jumping on this. I have uh, Mondo's uh, Pet Cemetery soundtrack, which I got from Brian Knowles, actually. Friend of the show. And then there's a record company called, uh, who did I get this from? AMS Records put out the Phenomena soundtrack that I found on vinyl. Which is pretty fucking awesome. So Mondo did a handful of, uh, of recent LPs. The soundtracks, um, The Big Gun Down, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, Maniac Cop 2, The Beyond, Cat in the Brain, The Bloodstained Shadow, and Absurd. So what we're going to do is uh, talk about these soundtracks. And yeah, I was able all, to listen. All soundtracks. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, what's, what, what do you think about soundtracks? I mean, I'm, I'm a fan. I collect them. But what's, you know, I don't, what, yeah, what's your stance I mean, on them? What do you what do? You, I mean, it, it all, it all depends. I mean, I, I think there are some town soundtracks that don't warrant like a standalone release because maybe, uh, because a soundtrack to me, you're supposed to feel maybe what you felt in the film. Like 
we say soundtrack, let's say scores. Because Yeah, because one of the greatest soundtracks of all time is the soundtrack to Top Gun. Okay. But we'll talk okay. about scores. That's we'll, different we'll, different we'll, stuff. We'll move on. I, because, I, <laughs> because that's how I, I – I know that I think Mondo calls them soundtracks, and that's fine because they are soundtracks uh, for the most great. It's, it's, it's original any. motion picture, yeah. picture soundtrack, I guess. Yeah, and then, you know, we have soundtracks that take, you know, basically – like they released um, on vinyl, they released uh, A Girl Walks uh, uh, Home Alone at Night. It is a great soundtrack, you know, great songs picked for that film. Um, the stuff that we're talking about is more or less, you know, scores that are done for the films by, you know, composers. Um, but, uh, you know, Mondo has done um, some great stuff. I mean, they have a great Aliens um, LP that they released, a phenomenal cover. Uh, you know, a girl walks home a little at night. They did all the Back to the Future uh you know, movies uh, on LP. Uh, they do a lot of small things too. Like um, recently, they did. Uh, you know, Mondo Macabro released The Devil's Business on Blu-ray. Well, they did a soundtrack uh, for that. They did uh, Mickey Keating's Darling on uh, on vinyl. The The Duke of Bur- Burgundy, his name's Peter something. He did the um, uh, oh, shit. Duke of Burgundy. He did uh, Barbarian Sound Studio, the Giallo film, oh, yeah. which actually Duke of Burgundy was uh, scored. Uh, um, I don't know if it was scored or they just used songs, but from a band called Cat's Eyes, who is also a side project for a band called The Horrors. That's uh, really great. Um, so, yeah, they pick up things every once in a while. They also release, um, you know, uh, you know, bands, um, like they have Yumberto, uh, that they have, uh, on their label, they release his vinyl. Um, you know, they did the soundtrack to the invitation. Um, they did a, you know, Halloween one. They did uh, Jurassic world. So they, they're all over the place. I think they just did that, uh, um, one cartoon that come out with the samurais, whatever that's called. Um, it just came out. Like Kubo something. Oh, Kubo and the Six Strings. Yeah, they're doing a you know an LP of that. They did LP of pieces. So you know Mondo's been around for a while, and they do some great work. Their um, their vinyl looks uh, downright just fucking amazing. Um, it, it itself because everything if it's not the art on the outside, the um, the art on the actual vinyl mm-hmm. is is. Um, it's just kind of breathtaking. It really is. It's breathtaking. I know people are like breathtaking for a record. Yeah, but I mean, you look at these things and you hold them, and you're holding like you know the, you know the 180 of the, you know the the vinyl, and it's fucking heavy, and it feels good in your hand. Oh yeah. Um, that's pretty fucking cool. You know, it it, it feels like this shit isn't gonna break. Um. So. Uh, I've always had my eye on them. I've uh, slowly started buying vinyl again. I went through a little phase, I think I mentioned on the show, um, you know, a couple times. Um, so I, I, I'm getting back into the swing of things, and I thought what would be a better way to actually kind of dig into a bunch of horror soundtracks, especially stuff that's not really, you know, um, talked about all that much. Because, I mean, we could talk about the score to 
Back to the Future and Star Wars. We all we all know those sounds. We all we we all know uh, that those that music. But there's cer- certain certain scores in certain films that have some odd choices. And I think with the batch that we have, we kind of have a barrage of different shit. Um, especially that the, the films that these things, uh, come from. So I don't know if you want to start off, Sean, with anything that you like your favorite of, uh, this group that we're yeah. talking about or, um, you know, your experiences with yeah, this. Yeah. I mean, out of the, the batch here, I mean, I was trying to think of like which movies have I seen? Cause I really don't like listening to a score if I haven't seen the film. So that's kind of how I went by actually sitting down and listening to these. Um, the big gun down I've is one of those films I know that I've seen in the past at some point, but I think I was a kid because my grandpa used to be really into John Wayne movies and, uh, Italian, uh, and spaghetti westerns. Um, so I know that I've seen the big gun down as a kid at some point or some part of it. So that one I, I was the first one that I listened to, Ennio Morricone. I mean, yeah. everyone knows, you know, he's one of the heavyweights when it comes to spaghetti western soundtracks. And uh, it, it, it's what what struck me about all these, especially the ones that I listened to, was unlike a lot of kind of modern scores, like each one of these composers brought their own, um, they bring their own kind of language to each of these scores like you know you're listening to a Morricone score like yeah. without a doubt you know you're listening to that well um, on, I agree with you but this soundtrack's a little odd well he incorporates a lot more um uh, like yeah I, I I would agree with you there yeah I mean he, with, with 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 his soundtracks, he does a lot of like a lot of vocal stuff mm-hmm. in the background, um, and then he kind of has like these daunting sounds that he has, especially like with something with the Hateful Eight, mm-hmm. where you know it totally sounds like you know a horror film soundtrack rather than a western. Um, the Big Gun Down sounds, I don't know, it's it's very it. It fits when you watch the movie, but it doesn't fit when you listen to the soundtrack by itself. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, yeah. It's not. It's not. I don't know if it's like super recognizable. Um, but while watching the film and then watching all this unfold, it's a completely different feel. Um, but Ennio Marconi, he has a couple uh, song, you know, soundtracks where. I, I listen to it, and I'm I, honestly like I agree with you on certain things you can identify him with, but with something like the Big Gun Down, yeah, I don't know if you would have put that first like few tracks on for me, I don't know if I would have got it. And I've been listening to him for years. 
Yeah, no, this one is a little more varied because I know that there's there's basically I mean there's his the the theme song and then there's two versions. There's the Italian version and then there's I, I guess it would be the uh, the English version. I, I I guess, but um, but I mean there's certain things where yeah it feels very Morricone, more Morricone, but then there's other things that I think trying to fit in with the film. I, I don't know. Like there's the I don't know. This this one seems seems more varied from the soundtracks that I've heard, you know what I mean? There's a lot more. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a, a lot, lot more on this. On. There's a, on, a shit ton on this soundtrack. I mean, this is a double LP. Yeah. About, we like, have, 24 um, songs or something like that. Yeah. We have uh 45 songs total. 45. Oh shit. Yeah. And you know, he has, uh, you know, like on the opening track, run man, run. He has, you know, um, like, you know, it, it's a female, um, with, with a weird, I don't know. It, it's like I said, sometimes it works. Like let's take his, uh, soundtrack, uh, for Navajo Joe, um, which is, um, you know, let, let's take a popular soundtrack that people would know or a song. So Navajo Joe, you don't, you really have to see it to know this song. Um, he took a song, it's called Silhouette of Doom. And he took Silhouette of Doom, uh, or Quentin Tarantino took Silhouette of Doom and put it in Kill Bill. Uh, Silhouette of Doom is the song that plays when Ellie Driver and the Bride have a standoff in um, uh, the sh- Michael Madsen's uh, shack. And, you know, it's just that, dun, 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 and then you just hear, like, this person screaming in the background, like uncontrollably and not that they're screaming in, you know, the track of like, uh, I think it's run man run is the opening song, but Mm -hmm. there's, I don't know. You hear that screaming and you're like, what? Like you just don't, you don't (laughs) expect it because it's not very normal for, you know, a lot of Western soundtracks to do that, which the Ennio Marcondas, if you're talking about his films, then you do hear it. But a lot of them you don't, and I honestly I think listening to this by itself, it is a little odd. Uh, I don't think you can really even piece that it might be a western at times. Uh, I'm just talking about the opening of the uh, of the sound. Yeah, well, he he doesn't. This one for sure, like he doesn't do the old standby where it's like very orchestral, and then he has that bang bang bang, like the the guitar, the lead guitar, kind of you know yeah. um, going along. It, it definitely defers uh from that and that had been his kind of calling card i think you know with uh with all his other films that he scored um you know like the good bad the good the bad the ugly is kind of the quintessential you know morricone score that everyone knows yeah Uh, yeah, navajo joe probably would be a close second because that when you hear that and you're like oh my god that yeah that's that's morricone because it's very similar to that kind of open epic sprawling western feel especially for that time but um but yeah it sounds like there's more and more kind of experimental experimentation going on with him and in the big gun down but i I like that though because i I mean i like that you can tell an artist by their songs but also i like to see people branch out from their norm but that's what i feel like i feel like these composers they feel like actual artists you know what i mean like it's not the whole like like Hans Zimmer used to be a really good composer and he's still like, but now he has like a team, 
and it's all the same kind of sounding stuff. Like, yeah. you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Transformers, like all it's those, a lot like, of strings. They're, they're decent it, scores, and you can right, maybe tell right. it's Hans Zimmer, but it's not, he's not really stretching himself. It's doing it's, the Hans Zimmer standard. thing. It's a standard. Like, he, yeah. he hits that standard very much like, um, uh, Alan Silvestri. He has always a military drums mm-hmm. that's playing. You know, he did Commando. He did, you know, Predator. He did Cap, you know, a couple of the Captain America movies. They're very like, you know, do, 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 do. And it's just like, I like that. I like the soundtrack to Commando and I like the soundtrack to, you know, Predator. But I can only like, you know, I like to hear that music in that movie. I don't like yeah. to fucking drive to it or something. Is it, has there been any movies that you've, I mean, there's, for me, there's, there's a very, there's a few movies that I absolutely adore the scores to them. And, and I bought, I mean, Terminator 2, I bought that score immediately after I saw the, the movie. Um, uh, Braveheart, <clears throat> excuse me, Braveheart has a fantastic score, I think by James Horner. Um, and then there's the movie Glory, I think it's James Horner as well, uh, has a you fantastic score. Like, you soundtrack. like the bigger, you like the bigger stuff. I do, but there's, but, but it, it, it's a fine line to be like, oh my god, I'm gonna buy that soundtrack. Like when I heard those, when I saw those movies, immediately I was like, I need to own that soundtrack because the music's great. Schindler's List is another one, like a beautiful soundtrack by John Williams and something different. Uh, very different from what John Williams had done before, but just beautiful music. Um, so, but yeah, but, but John Williams, great composer, but I'm not going to buy every one of his soundtracks. He always gets the job done, but, um, there's certain movies that come along every now and then where the score just kind of sets that movie to the next level, I guess, in my, in my mind and my memory. And, um, and it's always like the composer, like it's, I feel like it's always, it's something a little bit different. It's not the same old kind of orchestral score that we're used to. Like, um, Glory, the movie Glory just had some very amazing themes running through it musically. And, um, then Braveheart just had all the great kind of Scottish, you know, bagpipes and all that kind of stuff. And it's a wonderful score. Yeah. As well. Yeah. No, so I like, agree with that. there's things that said, like, I, th- I hear that score and I'm like, wow, that's a great movie, but I also really love the score. So that happens every now and then. And it, and what Mondo seems to be doing, like there's, they're, they're picking and choosing here, like them and I guess death waltz records, um, albums and, and things that maybe do stand above the others because the big gun down, I guess, yeah, you can say it's not a quintessential or, or typical Morricone score. This, it yeah. sets it apart. I haven't seen big gun in a long time. So I, I, what I want, I would before I really would dive into the soundtrack again, I want to see it in context first. So for me, it was a little bit jarring kind of listening to the soundtrack, but um, the next one that kind of, I wasn't that, done. Oh, 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 you, we're, we're still talking. Right. Well, no, I was just, I was just going to say, just to, to kind of piggyback off of you, I, I think it would be, you know, kind of a, um, you know, a compliment to, to Marcone, who has scored, uh, countless Westerns. He mm-hmm. has to do something different at this point. You know, I mean, you can't literally do the same thing over and over and over. And that's the cool thing about him is that a lot of his movies, the, the scores do not sound the same. 
they are very, very different. Even some of his uh, Giallo uh, uh, scores, they are completely different from what you would expect or what you've heard in in others. So he does have an ear, and he's you know really, really good at what he does. So uh, you know, even though this is different and might be a little jarring at times, that's probably what's better because it's uh, more memorable. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I, I really want to see it again. Um, I think I bought the, I want to say I bought the Blu-ray and, uh, I, I need to gather, I have like a shit ton of Westerns I've been wanting to watch. So I need to do some sort of like Western, um, month. Something. Yeah. There's a lot. I got some good ones too. I need to, I need to watch them. Um, the next one that I really had a ton of fun listening to was the Maniac Cop. To soundtrack. This thing has the kind of uh, Sylvester-y, like you're saying, like the the you know military things. Um, what I what I loved about this is again, it's it's this is a slasher film, but the movie or but the uh, the soundtrack by Jay Chataway, it yeah. sound it sounds like uh, a a TV police procedural type more more uh, police type soundtrack. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like. There's See, that. I'm gonna disagree. Really? Yeah. I don't. I don't. It does There's certain things where it sounds like a horror soundtrack, but it sounds like, or maybe military. I don't know. But there's just something off where it didn't really come across as a complete horror uh, uh, score to me. I, I had fun listening I, to it. I might be able to fill in the gaps that you just. Okay, but but I mean, but we got to mention the rap song. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let, let's talk about the soundtrack because the rap song is obviously a, a you know kind of a funny part <laughs> of of this whole uh, thing. So the you know you're saying that there is kind of you know some cop uh, you know cop stuff in there, like you know as far as like hunting people down and and stuff like that. But all right, let's take our character uh, Cordell, okay, who is the maniac cop. Um, in this film. Cordell is, let's just spoiler free, okay? Because, I mean, spoilers, you should see Maniac Cop by now. So <laughs> in 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 Maniac Cop, we have something a little bit different because we have this killer that is killing people, hardcore. He's a maniac. He's a cop. Um, however, when we find out a little bit more about Cordell, he was kind of fucked over. You know, uh, Cordell really isn't that bad of a person. He was a good cop who got tied up in kind of the wrong with the wrong people. They didn't like him and they, you know, did away with him. Um, 
and he is kind of an innocent soul in a way, even though he does like batter these people and cut them up. Um, so with the soundtrack, I feel that it plays to some type of like nursery rhyme stuff mm-hmm. because he is very childlike, you know, like a big monster, but a baby inside because he is so innocent, but he's so like disfigured and so monstrous on the outside. He kind of has like in, in the soundtrack, there is this kind of like, nursery round uh, nursery rhyme sound that plays like you know the ting ting uh, you know the tings that happen back and forth I, are you playing it yeah i was trying to find it up on uh it's, it's on itunes everybody so um but he has like this this sound uh you know chataway put even in the first and second you know in the second film he has this sound that's playing in in, in these movies um, you know, or in these soundtracks that make you kind of feel sorry for him. Like you're watching like a kid, like a, a young, a young, innocent person going through that. That's how I feel with the soundtrack. So I don't feel yeah. that it's fully like cop blown out. No, no, no. I'm, I think what I, what I mean, like the cop, like, cause it uses a lot of horns. You know, like, yeah, yeah, no, and that reminds that. me of like this, like the eighties police type movies and, and and TV shows that I watched. Oh but, no, I totally, I totally but that, agree with that, that element part. of it. You yeah, know? I totally agree with that part. But there are times when it's not doing like the really hardcore stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's doing a lot of the light stuff. Like the main theme song. Let's just take the theme song for Maniac Cop. That. Is what I'm talking about. Not like you know him going right, through right, the right. streets and popping up and doing jump scares. Yeah, there's a certain you know sound that plays like when he's you know there's even at times where he's like sitting on the edge of his bed with his hat. Like there's just something wrong, you know, uh, there and and that's and I think it the soundtrack you know plays off of that plays off of his feelings almost to the point where. It's um, kind of foreshadowing in a way because why is this music so like yeah, – because I know you have like the really hardcore stuff. But sometimes when you have him, you kind of have like not even like a Michael Myers sounding thing. You just have this very, very like you know nursery rhyme, um, you know, uh, wind up uh, – what do you call those? Like uh, – what do you call those like Jack in the box or like, you know, like a carousel or like something like a little kid's bank yeah. or something like that. That's what it feels like. And that, that's why I dig it so much because I find that, you know, a little, uh, you know, offsetting and, 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 uh, kind of scary. <laughs> and then we have the maniac cop rap. Yo, wait a minute. What's that? What's that? What's that? Something sneaking around the corner. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. You better watch out when you hear that sound. It means that the maniac cops around. Once upon a time, he was a super cop, but the bad guys went to make him stop. Sounds like Jai, but when a sure he's dead or alive, set him on fire. 
I shoot him with a Uzi. But he'll show up in your jacuzzi. You can run him over, you can feed him poison. Push him out a window and it only annoys him. You better believe me if they think I'm lying. When he show up, yeah. people start dying. He's out for vengeance and he can't be stopped. That's why they call him the Maniac Cop. You have the right. The music right was here. by Jay Chataway and Peter yeah. Levin. Uh, but it was All right, perf- so Maniac Cop performed by Yeshua. Yeah, Yeshua. Barnes. And Brian B. Dub Woods. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. It's hey fantastic man. stuff right here. Hey, that's that's the shit right there, man. <laughs> so listen to Maniac Cop rap. There are some you know horror films out there that did kind of the the rap song at the end of the movies, um, and this is and this is one of them. Um, it's fantastic. I think the video there, there's a video on YouTube. I think splicing in you know. I don't know if it's a full on video with them, with them actually performing. Oh, it's probably just a splice together. I don't imagine them doing a video for this movie. Oh my god, it'd be great if it did. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think it's really well done and really creepy. So, um, I've always been a big fan of the Maniac Cop series. Not so much maybe the third one, but, um, definitely. uh, Sorry, it's just, it's just scenes from the movie. Oh, okay. I just checked it out. I couldn't hear what you're saying because Maniac Cop Rap was playing in my headphones. I apologize. No, it's okay. I wasn't saying anything important. <laughs> so, what was next on uh, your... Well, uh, the next two uh, the next two kind of go together because we can talk about um, um, Fabio Frizzi. Freezy. The, wow. That's cool. <laughs> but, no. Um, so Cat in the Brain. Cat in the Brain and, and then in the Beyond. And I love I I love the Beyond soundtrack. It's it's one of my favorite soundtracks. I love the themes that they use. Um, there's kind of a foreboding, you know, kind of pulsing foreboding, you know, uh, a tune. And then when shit starts to go down, that main theme that plays uh, it's just been etched into my brain ever since I've seen, ever since I first saw the Beyond. But yeah, and and that opening track, man. Yeah, there is. Uh, I don't know. There's something about that opening track that it really is eerie and creepy and kind of totally sets the mood. And I'll tell you one thing: is listening to it on vinyl gives like definitely like there's certain there are certain like soundtracks and certain songs where you like listen to it and you're like ah you know that's okay and vinyl and there's other stuff that you listen to it's like holy shit like this fucking works like this works 10 times better than it does like on a cd or you know listening to it in your car because if you bought the beyond on blu-ray from grindhouse releasing they included and cat in the brain they included the soundtrack on soundtrack on cd but i mean but the the beyond like the the picture they used for the cover is just fantastic it's one of my favorite scene like favorite images from the scene or from the from the film and um the one with the 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 woman and the dog the german oh, shepherd yeah. on the, no it's it's beautiful i yeah. love that that image and uh them using that as as the cover is just fantastic but i mean fabio frizzy like 
I I really love like what he does and and that and he's another artist like you know you hear his stuff and you kind of know you know that that is him because even a cat in the brain. Um, very much of a, a different vibe than the Beyond. Um, a little less horror sounding. He's blending a lot more um, elements. Like there's some jazz in there, and um, yeah, some, no, some he piano definitely and, definitely has different. Uh, you know, his his soundtracks all over the place. And he even uses the. I mean, um, that tune from in the in the hall, the Mountain King. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's using, well, yeah, Ed, it's using everything. Yeah, I was actually Ed, humming it today. Yeah. Ed, Edward Grieg or something is the hollow mountain King. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's you from mean, a 1876. It? Yeah, no, it's, it's epic. I mean, it plays in a lot of trailers. I was it trying to queue it up on my phone, but I'll queue it up as we're talking here. Uh, needful, in post needful things, uh, trailer. I think it plays. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's funny because I was walking down back to my desk today at uh, at work and I was whistling it and somebody was like, "Oh, that's scary! What are you whistling that crazy thing for?" And I was like, "What?" And I go, "It's like a classic, you know, it's like a classic tune." And apparently, the person that recognized it from some horror movie or something, and that's what they, you know. Yeah, I think a lot of us. I mean, it's, it's using everything. Yeah, like Moonlight Sonata was another thing that plays in a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of horror films and stuff like that. So, but um, it, with the Beyond, like it just sets an eerie tone and just a really great uh, start for uh, for for a film, and especially with this um, vinyl, uh, the Beyond. I mean, it's got a you know the Mondo cover has a great. It has you know. Uh, has a tribute to the ending of of the film with with the two leads. It has kind of the hunting uh, one with with the boats, and you know it has uh, you know it, it's just got a really beautiful cover. The the vinyl itself, of course, is heavy as shit, but it's fucking like it's two tone colors with two different green, like a lime green and a hardcore green, like a like maybe even like a hunter green. And then it looks like just someone shot like an orange paintball right in the middle, <laughs> splattered all over everything. And it's just, I don't know, man. It, it just, it looks beautiful when it spins. Um, you know, it matches kind of the front, uh, front cover. The only thing it doesn't have is a bunch of fucking tarantulas, you know? <laughs> so, um, just a, you know, a, a really, another really great job. And, you know, they really know how to pick these soundtracks. I mean, they, I think they know what works. I mean, even, like, if you would have said as me, like, hey, man, do you want to take the time to put Maniac Cop 2 on vinyl? I probably would have said, nah. But that's what I, I thought, too, man, until I actually sat down and listened to and it. And then you listen to it And I was like, oh, man, this is kind itself. of badass. Yeah, you listen to it by itself, and it's like, oh, shit. This is actually really good by itself. It's a really good score. You know, so so I like that we have people that, you know, give things a chance like this. Because even, like, a hardcore horror fan like myself. I don't know why I would like I would I would probably say no I think we maybe we need to go after some carpenter soundtracks or yeah. something like that. Um you know but the, these these work as well. You know they they can't be dismissed just because they might not be, you know, carpenter frizzy or 
you know, Marcone, like there's still some really great, you know, artists out there that, that make, I mean, I know we're talking about Frizzy right now, but you know, as far as people picking soundtracks, I think, I think that's where it's at, man. Yeah. You know, especially some of these like little ones like this. Yep. So, so. The, fr- the Frizzy stuff is good. Like, uh, like it was fun to kind of transition from the beyond into a cat in the brain. Um, completely very different. different yeah and a very different you can still you, you can still tell it's frizzy but i mean the cat in the brain a cat in the brain is such a different film than the beyond and i was listening to it uh it's a cat in the brain i was taking my daughter to ballet and i had it playing in the car and um you know and i, and I was like i go do you think this is, like what kind of movie do you think that this is you know and she's like oh I, I don't know i was like do you think it'd be like a scary movie she's like no you know because it doesn't sound like it sounds very like Maniac Cop. It sounds a little kiddish. Yeah. It sounds like a. It sounds like a. You're on a merry-go-round. That's it's very nice. light. Yeah. But yeah, but, but I mean, a cat in the brain is a very interesting film because it's this whole meta but, thing with Fulci. Yeah. You but know. when you when you look at it, it does seem very like. It sounds like it's from the 70s or an 80s, but yeah. Cat in the Brain was made in like 1990. So was you, it made in night? Wasn't really? Oh I'm, yeah, I, I guess I'm, you're right. Pretty sure Cat in the Brain was like in the nineties. I mean, well, it might like have been with... made in the eighties, but um, you know it, that thing was released in the nineties. To well, my knowledge, wasn't uh, Fabio Frizzi like? Was he a part of these? Uh, were these like kind of like these progressive rock type bands? I mean, he was with. Uh, he he did stuff with Goblin, right? Or or am I am I getting everything? Am I getting this the streams crossed? I do. Not, I know he did stuff with Zombie too. I do not recall if he was actually like a member of Goblin. It seems like they're all or doing the same thing, like the same kind of thing. Like they're all doing these. They're all like. I, I don't feel like they were composers like, per se. Like this guy was a you know a, a progressive rock you know type. Um, well, I mean, Goblin was a progressive rock band as well. Yeah, but that's what I get from Frizzy, but I guess he's not. I mean, he wasn't, but I mean, he feels, I mean, it feels like he can just go in and join up with Goblin and do some shit. You know, that, that's when you hear his stuff, you kind of, but, um, I want, did, did, did Goblin do the zo- stuff in Zombie 2 as well? No, they, they did Dawn of the, Dawn of the you Dead. Ta- you're talking about Zombie, like Fulci oh. Zombie. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. Okay, they, they did. They did stuff for the Italian version of Dawn of the Dead. Goblin. Did. Yes. 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 Okay, it's all coming back to me, people. Just bear with me as I try to match everything. Put the puzzle um, together. You're doing a great job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but 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 you know, if you if someone said Frizzy was a part of Goblin, I wouldn't have batted it an eye. I would have believed you. <laughs> you know, because they're they feel like they're cut from the same cloth. You can tell and they these, do. these and, guys. And they do. I mean, they're around at the same time. I don't yeah. think there was a big competition with these guys. I think no. they all, you know, dug each other's work and, you know, uh, you know, wanted to see everybody succeed. That was, uh, you know, doing, doing music at the time. I mean, I, I would, I would hope that they weren't like, you know, uh, villains and hated each other. Um, yeah. but I, I, I think they played off of one another. They, they heard, you know, each other's work and, you know, dug it and, and, and went from there. Yeah. So these other ones, um, are films that I haven't seen, uh, yet that they're all on my to watch list for sure. Um, 
Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, The Bloodstained Shadow, and Absurd. And so, uh, I mean, I, I was surprised to see that they released the soundtrack to Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers on vinyl. I mean, the cover's great. It's but, another, um, and it's another beautiful, um, here, it's another, like, beautiful, like, it's just pink and white, and just, and just kind of sleazy looking. Yeah, it's you fantastic know? artwork. Um, now, now, on this, on this soundtrack, I will say this is a little bit more on the odd side, um, mainly because of the film, I mean, we're talking about a, a Fred Olin Ray movie now, um, which everybody probably, unless you listen to the show, you know how I feel about Fred Olin Ray. <laughs> Um, but Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers is his most kind of you know. It's it's the most, one I it's the one I kind of like. You know, it's the one I kind of like, Sean. Okay, I haven't watched I, it yet. I have the signed Blu-ray, and I have not watched it yet. I I failed. You I'll, failed. I'll, I'm gonna watch it soon. Um, the soundtrack to this. I mean, first off, the cover with you know the Sphinx and kind of like the whole Hollywood feel and um, you know kind of the Vegas thing going on. And um, kind of the chainsaw earrings, I think, I think is great. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, definitely, it's it, it's one of those soundtracks. It's very odd because it's very synthy and very just kind of um, I don't know. It it, it, it sounds uh, it sounds cheap. Not the vinyl by any means. I'm not talking about that. But I'm just saying the the soundtrack. You like listen to the soundtrack on vinyl, and you're like. This sounds like it would probably belong with a really like kind of cheap, corny movie, and it does. It, it really does. It works, um, you know. But this is also one of those soundtracks that I think it works better with the film rather than listening to the soundtrack by itself. Um, just because right. you listen to it, people might walk in and be like, "Dude, what the fuck are you listening to?" <laughs> And then you say, oh, it's the Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, uh, you know, soundtrack. And then people are like, oh, what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, you know, that type of thing. But um, I, I don't know if I would be completely on board with something like this as far as, you know, like I said, just like listening to it. Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, kind of a very interesting choice from uh, from Mondo, Death Wall to, to to bring to bring this one uh, to the table, um, but also bravo for you know thinking outside the box and doing something different rather than you know releasing all the major ones that we know about. Um, but definitely something to pick up the 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 big you know there's a girl's ass on the end of it which is uh, pretty uh, pretty sexy, but also another you know kind of uh, um, you know short soundtrack. The cool thing about this is that um, they have all the 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 A side is the the this uh, score to the uh, film, and the B side is actually all the additional stuff of all the you know songs that actually play in the movie. Okay, that's cool. cool. So they kind of combine both, which I actually prefer the B side uh, rather than the A side. Um, next, we have. A really fucked up movie, um, 
with a absurd beautiful yes beautiful beautiful soundtrack So very beautiful vinyl. I mean, this is uh, a double LP again, and you know this thing is fucking blood fucking red. Like it looks fucking great. It is, um, you know, it, it's heavy. I mean, the front cover of this is if you don't not buy your computer, I suggest you look it up. But it's a guy fucking pulling out his guts and. The intestines fell up. Now this is a um, pseudo sequel, or yeah, this is the to sequel to Anthropophagus. There you go, Anthropophagus, um, a film that I bought and never watched. Yeah, also I think it's also known as the and Beast. I don't know if I'll ever um, watch it. I don't. I don't know. I just heard so. Another thing that Death Death Waltz did is is beautiful. It's the first soundtrack is blood fucking red. And the next one just looks like it's drained, like someone drained the record, and it's just like this clear, dirty gray. <laughs> um, so, you know, bravo. And, you know, the names of the songs uh, are definitely not on here. It's just uh, sequences. So sequence 1 through 21. But I tell you what, man, like, Absurd is a fucked up movie, and it's brutal, and when the music plays, it fits. But this is also another soundtrack where you can listen to the soundtrack alone and people are like, oh shit, this is really good. Like, this is like dinner party music. So who's the... Is it Carlo Maria Cordio? Yeah. You could play this at, like, a dinner party and people be like, oh yeah, this is this is really good. Who is this? Um, just because it's, it's not too... Like, it does get a little insane at times during the soundtrack, but it's also like, you know, have you ever listened to fucking jazz? Like... It's fucking insane sometimes, like, and, and people have, but this soundtrack is, it's very relaxing when it's by itself. When you watch it with the movie, um, it's completely different. So when you watch, you listen to the soundtrack by itself, you keep thinking about all the fucked up shit and George Eastman going berserko <laughs> in the film. But it, it works. It, it, it does. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the sequences are, um, are long. And, um, and I don't know, it's just a really chill soundtrack and I, and I, and I really dig it. Now this one, I could totally see someone picking up because it is, uh, you know, different and, and, and special. Um, so I, I, if anything, honestly, out of, uh, out of the ones that we're talking about, as far as purchasing vinyl, I would highly suggest this one hmm. for any, any film lover and soundtrack lover. This is by far one of the best uh, soundtracks you'll probably hear, as well as some of the best work that Death Waltz has probably done. And I haven't, I've listened to a good portion of Death Waltz record stuff, but I think this one um, definitely sets the bar uh, pretty high. Um, and like I said, it's 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 all around a, a, a great a great soundtrack. 
Very cool. Um, and of course, you know, we didn't talk too much about Cat in the Brain, but Cat in the Brain is another one of those things that is just really one long song, it feels. Yeah, it's just, um, it's broken up. Just like, uh, Absurd, it's broken up into kind of these sequences. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it sounds, it sounds great. Um, I, like I said, we, we talked about the movie and I, I still think the movie was ahead of its time. I think there's something like, uh, Fulci was really trying to do that was different. I just think it was maybe, uh, too early to pull out the stops, uh, or not, he should have pulled out the stops and done it later in his career. Um, but obviously he probably wouldn't have got it because he would have been, uh, you know, passed away. However, um, you know, another really fun soundtrack that's actually, the soundtrack's way better than the movie. Um, but another soundtrack, I mean, this vinyl, it's like fucking crazy looking. It's got cat teeth in the middle. And again, it just looks like a tie dye, like pink and, and red and white. Um, and just like kind of splattered everywhere. So definitely, um, I would definitely pick that one up if you're a fan of Frizzy. Because um, maybe not the movie so much, but uh, the soundtrack is definitely. Um, I think I think the soundtrack is great. I think it's way better than the movie. It's way more enjoyable. Um, it's one of those that you can just play. Uh, maybe not for friends and family and little kids <laughs> when they're over, but um, definitely something that stands out. That's uh, a cat in the brain. Yeah, I, I, I was fun. listening to it with my with my daughter. I you know I yeah I, I think it's I think it's a fun I think it's a fun um you know a fun. It doesn't fun sound soundtrack. like a horror movie soundtrack. That's it the thing. It, it it sounds very like like I said we even talk about like Maniac Cop very childlike, you know, uh, very um, cartoonish. So, do you get that vibe at all when you listen to it? Uh, a little bit. I mean, towards the end of it, it starts going into the more kind of frizzy sounding, you know, very similar to like the beyond a little bit. But it never goes like, like dark. You know what I mean? It still does. It, it's it, kind of like the movie. The movie, even with the gore and stuff, it, it kind of has a weird playfulness in, in a way because it's very. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a very kind of meta. A good word. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know, it's, it's very odd, but um, I, I, think I, I'd, I had fun checking it out. I think that's a good explanation. I really do. I think that's great. Um, and then uh, last up that I have here that, you know, we actually have and we've listened to on vinyl because I don't really feel like reviewing um, vinyl that I haven't listened to for, for the show because we don't do that with movies. <laughs> Um, is the Bloodstained Shadow Death Waltz Mondo release. streaks across it um, the bloodstained shadow i think was recent released on blu-ray from 88 films yeah um 
So this soundtrack, number one, this artwork all around on the front and back is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Um, like I said, the vinyl already is, is gorgeous. Um, with, with the soundtrack, it, you know, we're, we're following kind of a, a giallo, uh, film to begin with. Um, I, this soundtrack is, wouldn't what you would think with a giallo film. It's very artsy fartsy. Um, and just kind of crazy at times, it feels. Um, we all listen. I think that's the beauty about music is that all of us can listen to something. We're listening to exact same thing, you know, and we all hear something different. I think that's amazing. Like I've, I've talked to a couple people listening to the soundtrack. They're like, yeah, it sounds like a Giallo soundtrack. And I'm like, really? (laughs) I don't really think so. I think it's, uh, I think it's some next level shit to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I think it fits with the movie because, the movie movie itself is a little, um, you know, kind of goes a different different pace than you know maybe your normal giallo goes. Yeah, I need so I need I, to watch this. I own this Blu-ray, but uh, haven't cracked it open yet. Come on, Sean, what are you doing with your life? It's it's been added to the to watch pile. Good, it's I'm within reach. I'm glad, um, but definitely it's it's a lot of fun and and a good time. Um, and, and another soundtrack that you can put on that's not, um, that's because with, with a lot of soundtracks, they're very antsy to make it, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a little nervous, get your heart racing, maybe something you don't want to play at a party, but the bloodstained shadow is something that you could put on. And I, I think it's a, it's totally a different speed than your normal giallo, uh, soundtracks. And also cool. another odd one to kind of choose from everything else that already exists out there. So, very nice. Yeah, this is this is good stuff, man. I'm. I mean, I've been. I haven't collected uh, vinyl as much this year as I, I mean. I went through kind of like you, like you kind of get into it and you start just going places and buying just just a ton of shit. Like my thing is, I've always been trying to collect movie soundtracks. On vinyl, movie soundtracks and hair bands are the two things that I collect on vinyl, and um, and I haven't really gone sh- out shopping for a while. So, but uh, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's it's almost like you need to have a ritual when you listen to vinyl. Like it's it's different than just popping in a CD because you have to take it out of the sleeve. You put it in the you know on your, uh, the record player and, you know, you bring the arm over and you set it down, then set the, set the needle down. You hear the nice little pop of the needle on the vinyl. It's uh, it's just fantastic. And then you just, I mean, you sit there with the artwork and this gigantic, you know, the, the gigantic artwork and sit and listen to the music and hang out. You know, it's, it's just, it's a different way to listen to music and it kind of like you kind of forget you know, uh, the kind of the magic, I guess, music has because it's all on our phones now, you know, but, uh, to actually take the time and, and put on a record, uh, is, is, it's, it's relaxing to me. Also I like kind it. kind of forces you to listen to the whole album. Yeah, totally. Yep. So, which is, uh, which is important because, uh, you got to get up, you know, so people aren't as, you know, likely to get up to flip it over they want to listen to the whole thing yeah no it's great um i'm you know 
<clears throat> I'm a fan. I'm a tangible media fan anyway, but um, just having a, having my little record collection makes me happy. Plus, it's hard, you know, a lot of variables when you want to sell this crap, so it's like you're kind of stuck with it sometimes. you got to be careful. Yeah. Because you got to get the special box and make sure you're not sending a, sending a record out when it's 105 degrees outside. Make sure you know where you're sending it to. Wait. I did most of my record buying in, like, the fall and winter because I bought a couple of records during the summertime and they came warped because of the heat. Yeah. So... It definitely makes you care about your investment for sure. So, uh, care. you can go to, go to mondotees.com and, uh, click on the music link. You'll be able to find all these there. I'm going to put all, uh, links to all of these in the show notes for you guys to check out. They have a ton more. I mean, the aliens soundtrack, I fucking want that shit. No, it's a good military Oh my soundtrack. God. Um, that's, that's on my Christmas list for sure. But, um, and the Back to the Future score is great, but I already own the Back to the Future score original pressing, bitches. Damn, Sean, you you a badass. Hell yeah, yeah. I paid I, I paid some good money for that too. It's probably cheaper by now now, but well, now you can get it for a repressing for thirty five bucks. Yeah, and so. all three of them that look pretty cool next to each other. Yeah, uh, one of the prize. Soundtracks in my collection is the Conan the Barbarian soundtrack on vinyl. That thing is worth like a hundred bucks, but the dude forgot to price it in the store and, uh, he sold it to me for 20. Damn, Sean, you a badass again. Cause he felt bad. He had a stack of other records. <clears throat> yep. Wheeling and dealing. All right. Well, that's going to do it for, uh, for this week's podcast. Hope you guys dug it. A little bit different. We're still talking about movies, just uh, in a different context. So, um, I think we should do this more, you know, every now and then, maybe. Yeah, I, I think goes. soundtracks are important. Yeah. So. so check out Mondo MondoTees.com. Check these out, and uh, I I want to. Uh, I mean, they have just a ton of shit on here. God damn it, Mondo! I need to stop clicking around. I'll buy some shit. Yeah, but, um, it's, anyway, it's tough, man. Remember that Wolf Men of Mars has a new album coming coming out September 16th. Go to wolfmenofmars.bandcamp.com. Also, please check out all of our other sponsors. Go to thescreamcast.com slash sponsors. Check all of them out. Give them some love. Uh, Coffee Shop of Horrors. Uh, if you use your, the, the code SCREAMCAST10, you'll get 10% off of your order. If you go to coffeeshopofhorrors.com. Uh, most of the time you'll find links to all movies and, and shit that we talk about, uh, linking over to grindhousevideo.com. Please give them some love. He let me know that he has a new distributor now, so his pricing is going to be, uh, getting even better. So some good stuff. He's doing like, it makes me happy that he's doing well, you know? Um, I mean like a year ago, dude, he was ready to close up the, the online shop. Like he was ready to just shut it all down and, the fact that uh, it's going and he's going strong and he's getting decent, he's getting great um, uh, price points from uh, from distributors. That just makes me happy. So check out GrindhouseVideo.com and uh, please support these uh, these types of stores. Um, I always check them first before going over to Amazon, as all as you all should as well. Yeah, tell them, Sean. Mm-hmm. Get them. Also, Kevin Spencer, give him some love. Buy some of his art 
And uh, just uh, follow him on Twitter. It's all around nice guy. Uh, who else? Of course, oh, of course, Vinegar Syndrome and Exploitation TV. Please check them out. We're going to be doing our Vinegar, Vinegar Syndrome show. Uh, hopefully next week we're working out the details on that. <clears throat> and uh, if you if you did your exploitation.tv, if you did the Kickstarter or the Indiegogo, you're about to expire. The year has been up. So make sure you renew with uh, exploitation.tv for a uh, for ton of smut at your fingertips. And also if you're trying to build a horror collection, check out Horror Pack. I think it's it. Damn, damn, Sean. Go to thescreamcast.com. You'll find all of our social media links there, including our new YouTube channel. Uh, I put another shitty video up on there. And uh, by the time you guys are listening to this, Brad should have a video up there. Oh, God, let's not talk about that. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, we're still in the figure out what works phase. And, of course, uh, you'll find back episodes to our podcast on there for your convenience. Those are also available on uh, the website and I made it available. So, uh, instead of, I had it. So like our, our podcast, uh, feed or whatever only went like 50 shows back for podcast catchers. I made it 300. So right now all of our stuff can be found on your, uh, podcatcher of choice. So you can listen to back episodes. Thank you, Sean, for helping me out. You're welcome. Second. I can listen to myself. Yeah. Just make sure you guys listen to the burning episode first. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, hilarious. Um, that's the Brad got drunk on cider episode. And uh, I think it's great. But don't start with that one. Um I don't Definitely know. Don't start with that one. You're There's really not a starting point. Start anywhere you want. But uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. We'll talk to all of you guys next time. Thanks for listening. And hopefully Skype isn't a bitch next week so BJ can join us for a longer period of time. Agreed. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. Oh.